Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vanderbilt, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. And welcome to another episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. E. Vanderbilt here, of course, with his trusted canine co-host, Woody. And Woody's tired, folks. Woody's tired. You know, dogs, they need their rest. And this whole election week is not helping Woody out. So we need to get this thing done. Get her done. So uh, today, what I want to talk about, I'll give you a quick update of where we're at. We're not farther than we were yesterday or last night. But I want to talk about the rise, or is it fall, of the lazy voter. But before I get into that, let me, let's go over real quick. Not much has changed. Um, I did see a clip from MSNBC of all places earlier today that the votes coming in for Arizona, the new votes coming in, 59% of those votes are going towards Trump. Whether that pans out, if it sticks, if that trend stays, Trump potentially is going to flip Arizona. And when I say flip, because he got it last time, it's already been called by the AP. It's already been called by Fox News. But there's a lot of people that are like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not so sure. Bow down, Hot Rod. And uh, the AP and Fox News defend them calling the state of Arizona, but there are a lot of entities that have not called the state of Arizona. Uh, and, of course, Nevada is still uh, not been called. Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania still not called. So Trump's paths are very, very narrow. He has to maintain his lead in Georgia, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. And then he has to either get Arizona, or Nevada. Doesn't matter which one. If he can maintain his lead in Georgia, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania, and then get Nevada or Arizona, again, doesn't matter which one, he wins the election. Biden's just got to wait it out. Biden, if he gets Nevada, he wins the election. So uh, Nevada's, what is it, six or nine electoral votes are where we're all hanging our hats on right now. It's, it's a shame, really is a shame. Here we are in 2020 with so much sophisticated technology and um, we don't even know who our president is right now. I mean, we know Donald Trump is our president. He will be up until inauguration on January 20th of 2021, but we don't know who won the election. We are a day two out of the election and we don't know and it's just a travesty. But how, how did we get here? That's, that's the key. Now, I'm going to push aside all the election fraud memes that are out there. I mean, we're hearing quite a bit about election fraud. And we, you know, it's easy to do that. It's really easy to kind of subjugate ourselves into our cognitive bias to let ourselves just go in that hole, that rabbit hole, that black hole, whatever you want to call it, of our cognitive bias and believe in all this election fraud. I mean, it's easy because we see it with our own eyes. We see ballots on the side of the road. We see ballots in trash cans. We hear reports of they found this. How are they finding all of these ballots, hundreds of thousands of ballots in some cases, and all of them go for Biden? Uh, We see it, and it's hard. It's hard not to believe there is fraud. I mean, I cannot sit here and tell you I do not believe that there is election fraud going on when it just, to me, from the surface, from what I see, it just seems obvious. But I don't know. Uh, and you don't know either. Nobody knows except the people that are actually doing it. Unless they're caught, nobody knows. I mean, we've seen, there's so much that I've seen where they have a video of a guy, I believe it's in Detroit, 
uh, he's flipping off. He's, he's one of the workers who is sorting the ballots. He flips off a stack of ballots, crumples up a ballot. Uh, and what is he doing? Is, is, he, is he flipping off a, a stack of Trump ballots? We don't know. That's what one suspects. It was a black male doing this. So you don't suspect he's flipping off a stack of Biden ballots. Maybe he is. We don't know. But what we do know is it looks awfully suspect. But how did we get here? How did we get here? And if you look at the election results right now, we're trending to have record turnout of 67% voter turnout, which is a huge number. And I'm going to get into those numbers in a bit. Now, and the reason why we're looking to have such a large turnout is obviously mail-in ballots. Over 100,000 people, 100,000 people early voted or mail-in voted. This is from electionproject.github, G-I-T-H-U-B dot O-I-O. Uh, some professor does this. Uh, Michael McDonald, he's a professor at the University of Florida, has put this project together. And <clears throat> the early vote totals are 1 million and 1, or 101,214,494 in-person votes were 35,930,516. Those are early votes, by the way, not, not on election day. Those are, this is all early, early totals, over 101 million. Uh, the in-person are th- a little over 35, well, actually a lot over 35, almost $36 million. Mail ballots return $65,280,000. Ballots, sixty-five million two hundred eighty-three thousand nine hundred and seventy-eight male ballots. There are outstanding uh, twenty-six million eight hundred nineteen thousand five hundred and twenty-eight. So over sixty-five million Americans mailed in their ballot. That's almost as much if not as much as a single candidate gets for the presidential election. I mean, 65 million votes is what puts people in office, mail-in votes. Now, how many of those votes would not have been cast if there wasn't mail-in voting? I'd say a large chunk of them. Uh, Mail-in voting is, this is a recent phenomenon based on the pandemic. The, the government decided to open this up. States decide. So remember, states decide how you elect your president, not the Constitution. The Constitution put that in the state's hands. So the states can decide how you elect your president. So several states uh, have opened up mail-in voting given the pandemic. So in Florida, <clears throat> uh, six million Absentee ballots were requested in Florida. Uh, that's more, about, about more, well, maybe a little more, almost as double what it was in 2016. In Michigan, 3.3 million, and that's like two-thirds more 2016. Ohio, 3.2 million. Pennsylvania, 3 million, and there's only a sliver in 2016. If you look, I'm looking at a chart and I'll put this in my show notes. This is from the New York Times. Uh, it is record setting turnout, tracking early voting in the 2020 election. And early voting in some of these key states 
it, it's, it's huge. It's huge compared to where it was. The turnout for early voting, like in, um, let's see, well, let's find one of the states, Minnesota, 58% increase, and Minnesota went for Biden. Michigan, a 58% increase. New York, a 48% increase. Um, let's see, Pennsylvania, a 40% increase. Uh, Ohio, 54%. Nevada, a hundred percent increase over uh, 2016. Nevada is one of those uh, states right now hasn't been called. Um, and then you and, and you know South Carolina, 62 percent. North Carolina, 95 percent increase. Uh, Arkansas, nine or Arizona. I'm sorry, Arizona, one of the states right now that's up in question, 93 percent increase. Georgia, 94 percent. Florida, 94 percent. Texas, 108 percent. So here we are in 2020 with mail-in voting at 65 million people mailed in their vote. 100 and 1.2 million early voters. And you got to start thinking, did that change the course of the election? Well, I think it did. And here's why I think it did. <clears throat> this is why I said this is the rise of the lazy voter. In the Constitution of the United States of America, it sets forth the day that presidential elections will be held every four years, the first Tuesday after the first Monday of November. Then it's left up for the states how all the rest, they can work out the rest, right? So once every four years, once every two years for um, state offices, but once every four years, we're just going to stick with the presidential race right now. Once every four years, we are, as citizens, to perform our civic duty voluntarily is to get up, get ready, Figure out how we're going to get to the polls. Polls are, you know, my state open at 7 a.m., closing at 7 p.m. Do we go before work? Do we go after work? And we are to go to the polls. We drive, we walk, we bicycle. However we get there, we get there. It's been going on for hundreds of years. But this year, and by the way, we always had mail-in ballots or, um, or um, requesting mail-in ballots. It's a little different than the, what's been going on with the vote by mail recently. But so every four years, we get up off our caboose and we head out to the polls and we vote. We put down the potato chips. We put our soda in the refrigerator to keep cool, turn off the TV. Maybe we leave it on because we're coming right back and we go out and we vote. Or we keep our lazy ass on the sofa, watch the TV, eating our potato chips, drinking our soda, beer, whatnot. And the majority of Americans, it seems, decides to be a lazy bum and keep their ass on the couch. But this year is different. Those lazy bums, by the way, <clears throat> that's what I'm calling them, because they are. Now, let, before I get into those lazy bums, let's talk about um, voter turnout. So in the election of 1828, where we have data, voter turnout, and this is, uh, at this point in time, was voter age population. It wasn't until later where we changed some laws where it was eligible population. It was 57.6% in 1828. And 1832, 55.4% of the voter turnout uh, turned out. 1836, 57.8. And look at this, 1840, the election of 1840, 80% 
Now, there's some dynamics to all of this because early on, the, not everybody could vote. Women couldn't vote up until the, what, 1920s? Was it 1919 when it was voted in? So, you know, obviously blacks couldn't vote. Slaves, I guess you, at the time, couldn't vote. It was basically white males. And the, the, um, the founding fathers, some of them, not all of them, but some of them wanted it to be property owners who could vote. By the way, that's ne that never happened. It was not written in the Constitution that only property owners could vote. That was discussed and that was debated. And that's why it was advocated to the states to decide who votes for the president. And again, we're talking just for the presidency of the United States. So in 1844, 78.9%. And then, you know, it was pretty high up, in, up through the 1800s and the early 1900s. In 1900, what, what, what you're hearing this, you probably heard this on the news. That the turnout this election cycle, this presidential election cycle, hasn't been as high since the 1900 election. So it's the highest it's been in 120 years is the headline. And they're right. In the 1900 election, the turnout was 73.2%. Again, we're looking at a 67% for 2020 turnout. So between 1900 and 19, uh, 2020, Turnout has been less than 67%. So why? Well, that lazy bum, right? He and now she, after women's suffrages, uh, they don't have to vote. Nobody has to vote. It's a right to vote. And actually, it's not a right to vote, by the way. You don't have a right via the Constitution to vote for the president of the United States. That's given to you by the state. And that the states are the ones that decides how we elect our presidents, how they, they're in the, each individual state. Like now there's some uniformity in there, obviously, but this is why when we went through the 1960s with Jim Crow laws that was trying to prevent blacks from voting, by the way, Democrats, Democrats, they were trying to prevent blacks from voting for Republicans. The Democrats were trying to prevent blacks from voting from Republicans. Those, that was Jim Crow laws. And out of the 1960s, that all changed. So now, everyone has the, the ability to vote. <clears throat> you, if you're 18 years or older, unless you're a felon, you can go vote. So what happened after 1900? I mean, now there's some historians that state because we kind of delved into a two-party system, a Republican and a Democrat party system, which we see right now, right? And people who are living, let's say, in California, we'll use today's modern day, modern day California is a Democrat state. So there are a lot of Republicans before in California decided, eh, I don't need to vote. My voice doesn't count. So there are some historians that say that's what happened uh, coming out of the 1900s. We kind of, we kind of, you know, basically became a two-party system nation. So if you lived in one state that was all Democrat, and so let's say you're Republican, you knew not, your vote wasn't going to count. So you're like, well, my vote doesn't count. So I don't vote. And, or, or if you lived in a Republican state and you were a Democrat and you knew that if you voted, it wasn't going to matter. So eh, my vote doesn't count. So you don't vote. So voter participation dropped. It dropped after the 1900s. So, and you know, you go into the 1900s, you look at some of these dates, they were still pretty good. 1908, 65%, 1912, 58%, 1916, 61%. Then it drops, 1920, 49%. 49% of uh, the voting age population in 1920 turned out for a presidential election, 49%. 1924, 48%. It goes up a little bit, 1928, 56 
Women are now allowed to vote, so we're probably seeing more participation, right? 1932, 52%, and stays in the 50s up until like 19, 1952 is now, you're in the 60s again, 61.6% voter age population. Uh, then we go through the 60s and we have the Civil Rights Act. So now you got eligible voters. Now you got registration. You know, the Jim Crow did a lot of stuff to prevent blacks from voting. And the 1965 Voters Act took all that away. Basically, what it basically said is you cannot deny somebody to vote based on race and other discriminations, discriminators. And, you know, if you were in the state, you can set your laws. But if you change them, you have to. Uh, and again, I'm not a I'm not a constitutional scholar. I'm not a, a, a legal scholar in any way. I I do cursory views sometimes. But what it looked like the 1964 Act did is it just held states accountable. And if they were to change the laws, they would have to partner with the federal government. But now in the 60s, we've got registration, voter registrations. Now you've got to register to vote, and you've had to do some kind of registration in the past. There's been all kind of different ways that the government has been trying to ensure the legitimacy of the vote. And there's been ways where government officials have tried to ensure certain aspects of the population didn't vote, like the Jim Crow laws where the Democrats didn't want vote, blacks voting for Republicans. So we've got all that history, but, you know, voter turnout in the 60s kind of went up. We went back, you know, the 1960 election, 62.8%. This is the election between John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon, which was a very contentious election as well, too. It was the first election where television stations were actually reporting some results. And it was also there, some, there were some allegations and are some allegations of electoral fraud. It is, and none of this can be proven, but it is said that... <clears throat> Um, Mayor Daley, uh, or it was governor, I'm not sure, out of Illinois, delivered Illinois to JFK. And it said that J LBJ may have done some shenanigans to deliver Texas to JFK. But Nixon, Richard Nixon, who lost to John F. Kennedy, decided not to contest those results. But anyway, let me move on. Then, as we get into the 70s, um, voter participation dropped. It, now it's in the 50s. Uh, and, you know, now we got eligible voters. In 1980, 54.2% showed up. In 1984, 55.2%. 1988, 52%. Uh, it didn't get back in the 60s until the 2004 election. And 2004, 60.1% showed up. In 2008, 61.6%. Then it dropped in 2012, 58%. And then 2016, 59%. Now, we can say in a 2008 election, because Barack Obama brought more people to the polls because of the first black candidate, you know, I get it. I get it. Uh, but right now, the numbers are that Joe Biden has received more votes than any other candidate in the history of America, including Barack Obama. Are you going to tell me that Joe Biden is that, that, that exciting that people are going to come out and vote for Joe Biden? No. I mean, he barely got anybody to his rallies. He campaigned from his basement. This election, because of the mail-in voting that was allowed, because of the pandemic, we now have seen the rise of the lazy voter. And I don't know about you, 
but that's pretty damn scary. The lazy bum who couldn't get his ass off the soda, turn or off the sofa, turn off the TV and put his drink down to go and vote in person the first Tuesday after the first Monday of every November, every four years, is now putting people in position of power. And I'm not talking about just a little bit of power. Arguably, the most powerful position in the world, the sofa bum just possibly got elected. And that's just a damn shame. So the rise of the lazy voter is also going to be the fall of the lazy voter because if Joe Biden is elected, and, it, and right now my pessimism shows that he might be, no, notice I didn't say will be, there's still hope, wishy-washy word I know, but there's still hope, uh, that Joe Biden, who, you know, obviously the man mentally is not all there. I'm sorry, there's just, you know, call it what you will. I don't care what you left say. It's obvious his cognitive decline. He has said, point blank, that he's not going to run for a second term. He has said that to you. But you don't care because you're lazy. You're a lazy voter. You just don't care. So you, lazy voter, also known as low information voter, finally has an opportunity to vote without getting your fat ass off the sofa because all you got to do is fill in a mail ballot that was sent to you in a lot of cases. You didn't even have to uh, request it because your state leftist as it is sent it to you. So your lazy ass now doesn't even have to move. All, you mean, I'm sure it was hard for you to pick up that pen and fill out that ballot. And it's, what is it, posted page? I don't know, probably was. So your lazy ass doesn't even have to go get a stamp to lick. So your lazy ass, because you, being that you're a lazy ass and you don't go out and vote, you don't, you don't get your ass off the sofa every four years to actually go in person and perform your civic duty because you're too lazy. You now have a voice the same as I do. Hey, that's, the, that's, the, that's your right. I don't, I don't default you that right. What I do fault is this opportunity that people who are just fat-ass lazy, and I'm not picking on people that may be a little overweight. I'm just using it as a pejorative to those lazy people who can't get their ass off the sofa to go vote once every four years in person. I voted in person, by the way, and I voted on election day. This year, November 3rd, every year I go in person on election day because I care and because I, I, I'm informed. I actually read up on this stuff. I love politics and I want to know what's going on. And I'm motivated to vote for the best candidate who I see that is fit for this nation. I'm not motivated to vote for somebody because they're going to give me more benefits. I'm not motivated to vote for somebody because I listen to the media and they tell me that this guy is bad. And I don't know why he's bad. I just know he's bad. I was like that at one point in my life. And I realized what an idiot I was. What a low information voter idiot I was. And I'll share it with you. In 1992, I made the horrible mistake of voting for Bill Clinton. And you know why I voted for Bill Clinton? One is I totally ignored all the stories I saw. In fact, I didn't even listen to them. I wasn't even, I was watching movies and watching entertainment on TV. I wasn't informing myself of who this candidate was with all his delicious affairs and all the other stuff. No, not me. That was a lazy, uninformed voter. I was just going off the surface and I allowed some numbnut in the media, don't know who it was, I'm not sure even where I got it, but I allowed some numbnut in the media to inform me that George H.W. Bush was once in the CIA and that meant he was probably bad. And like an idiot, I believed it. So I voted 
for Bill Clinton. Worst decision I've ever made in politics. And I realized that soon after that I had voted for the wrong candidate. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to ever let that happen again. I'm going to become informed. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to read. I'm going to research. I'm going to resource. And I no longer was a low-informed, low-information, lazy voter. And now here we are in 2020, and the lazy voter has control of our government and our power and our the power they have the power the lazy ass uninformed low information voter may have just put joe biden and kamala harris in office and here's why i say is it's the rise of the lazy voter or is it the fall because joe biden for all intents and purposes may not last one term I mean, we don't know. We can only predict, but we know the man's got cognitive decline. We know he's not going to run a second term. He's 78 years old. In two years, he'll be 80 years old. The stress of the office is probably going to be so much on him that I predict if he doesn't die in office, he's probably going to resign for health reasons. And what you just did, you potato chip, and by the way, you're not eating the good potato chips. You're eating the greasy, you know, bad ingredients, potato chips with all the, you know, you know, the crap in there. So they have a longer shelf life because you got to buy, you stock up and put a bunch in your cabinet. And if you're not buying the, the preservative potato chips, they'll go bad in your pantry. And so you're eating all that crap potato chips. You are the one now. Oh, all I got to do is fill out this ballot and mail it in. How freaking easy is this? Uh, I don't even have to get off my fat ass and go vote. The lazy voter has the power right now. That's just a damn shame. That's just a damn shame. And the Democrats, they love it because that's who their base is. Their base is the low information voter. Their base is the uninformed. Now, are there low information voters on the right? Absolutely. No, no, don't try to throw that crap in my face that, you know, here, let me show you a video of this uh, redneck rube. Hey, I live in Georgia. Don't call me a redneck, all right? And rednecks are good people fine people. They were a lot more friendly and honest than a lot of those city slickers, if you will. So here we are in 2020, 100 and mil- 101 million people early voted, which I don't like any as well. And I know early voting has been going on for a while. I think we need to step up and hold people accountable make them work for this. It shouldn't be this easy. No, it shouldn't be this easy to elect a president. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to just sit your ass on the sofa and elect a president. I'm sorry. I, you, you know, some things need to be worked for. And when we're electing somebody to arguably the most powerful position in the world, not just America, it is the most powerful position in the, America, but arguably the most powerful position in the world, you should have to at least, at least get off your ass. And don't give me this pandemic crap. That's such bullshit. I'm so tired of it. 0.00006.5% death rate. Are you, are you kidding me? We, we, we just elected a senile old man whose running mate is a freaking communist. I mean, did you see that video she put out? 
about equality? I mean, I'm sorry. The woman was, is listed as the most leftist senator in the Senate. She is left of Bernie Sanders. And here we are. Joe Biden, let's, you know, he's, the, he's a hair's breadth close, as I've said before. Our hope right now is that Donald Trump holds his lead in Georgia, uh, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania and flips Nevada. That's the best hope that we have right now. I mean, it could come from Arizona too, but, you know, all because the left has allowed, and now you know why the, the Trump administration fought this mail ballot thing, this mail-in ballot thing so harsh, because they know, they knew this was going to happen. They knew this was the possibility because that fat ass on the sofa who can't get off the sofa every once every four years and go to a polling place, wear a freaking mask if you're so concerned about the pandemic because that's just BS as it is. Because let me tell you about that. And I know I'm getting all over the place here because I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Uh, it, it, we are supposed to social distance and if we can't social distance, we're supposed to wear masks. So if I wear a mask, why do I got to social distance? And, if I'm, and aren't we just worried about sneezing and coughing on people? I mean, Matt, Marat, I mean, you see people walk driving in a freaking convertible with a mask on. There's a low information voter, by the way. You see one person in their car with the windows up with a mask on. This is what the media has done. This is what the Democrats have done is they put everybody into this panic, this fear that, oh, my gosh, I got to wear a mask no matter what. Low information voters, ladies and gentlemen. This is the election. The lazy voter, the rise of the lazy voter presidential election 2020 uh and the next segment i'm going to get a little more detail on that i'm going to continue talking about this trend with the lazy voter i got some historical data i'm going to share with you to show where we are as a nation and how did we get here how did we get to this lazy voter and then we'll do again some updates i'll keep periodically checking to see if uh any updates uh with the election and Let's hope and let's pray that enough votes come in in these remaining states that prevents the lazy voter from rising to power. Because you don't want to be governed by the lazy voter. Because the lazy voter is going to screw us all. Thanks for listening to this part of the PBL podcast. Please, please, if you're listening to this on Apple iTunes, where a bunch of smart people, by the way, created a business that gave you that, created that phone for you to purchase and easily use those people who put in a lot of effort. Uh, please subscribe to the show and give us five-star ratings. Help with the algorithm, the algorithm that all these smart people who went to uh, universities in a lot of cases or taught themselves to write algorithms, write code, although most of those people are leftists, I know. Uh, and also, uh, if you're watching this on the YouTube, please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Help with the uh, algorithms as well. And if you're not watching us on the YouTube, uh, get over on YouTube. Our channel is Politics and Brown Liquor. And you don't have to watch it. You don't have to, you don't have to go, sit through it. Just subscribe. That's all you got to do. And if you subscribe, it'll again help the show move up in the algorithm so we can keep the voice going and get people informed enough to where they get off their couch and actually have a little pride to go vote once every four years in person. And I'm sorry if you're listening to this and I offended you in any way. That is not my intent. If you're listening to this, you are not the problem. Uh, it's the people that 
put no effort whatsoever and to educate themselves on what's going on in their very own country and how this impacts not just America, but the world. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor.